provoking people after an officer threatened to arrest anyone walking on the road, according to video obtained by the Post. Another high-profile activist fired back that they were on the shoulder because there was no sidewalk. Later, officers approached McKesson. The smartphone he was using to broadcast the march and his ongoing commentary fell from his hands and he was arrested. According to other activists, two police officers slammed McKesson to the ground and took him into custody along with 33 other activists. In a text message to the Post from within police custody, McKesson said he and the nearly three dozen others were in custody together, wrist-tied, and being taken to a police precinct. A police spokesman confirmed his arrest for the Advocate newspaper, but did not elaborate on potential charges and did not respond to a request for comment from the Post. As Saturday night became Sunday morning, there was no word on what charges McKesson might be facing, but a website for a local jail showed that McKesson was an inmate there as of Sunday. He called a close friend in Baltimore around 5.30 a.m., and told her he was in okay physical condition, but did not know when he would be released, the friend told the Post. News of McKesson's arrest quickly spread on Twitter, fueling outrage over the possibility that he may have been deliberately targeted. The hashtag, Free DeRay, began to trend almost immediately on Twitter after McKesson's arrest and was trending with more than 100,000 tweets hours later, as of 5 a.m., with many tweets urging people to call Baton Rouge police and demand his release. McKesson was arrested nearly a year ago in August during a sit-in outside a federal courthouse in St. Louis to commemorate the first anniversary of Brown's death. McKesson rose to national prominence when he left Minneapolis after the death of Brown and Ferguson to become an activist and to document the growing movement seeking reforms in how law enforcement across the country treats communities of color. He has amassed roughly 450,000 Twitter followers and has been a forceful advocate for the Black Lives Matter movement on cable and in late-night television appearances. Earlier this year, McKesson sought to transform from activist to politician by running for Baltimore mayor, but the national spotlight wasn't enough to endear him to voters there, and he finished far behind well-established political figures in the Democratic primary. In the quiet period after the plethora of tense standoffs and arrests in Baton Rouge, three young protesters put on thin blue gloves and grabbed large trash bags. Last night, when people was running, they were tripping over the water bottles, said Allison Leach, 24. This way, if something happens, people will be safe. Across from them, police officers formed a human barricade outside police headquarters. Barely moving, shields up. Still, protesters kept coming. They gathered on a swale outside a Shell gas station. They shouted, no justice, no peace, and wondered whether the police would charge at them again. They carried signs, I can't keep calm, I have a black son, one read, and raised their voices to sing, we shall overcome, and dropped used water bottles on the ground. Leach and her friends were there to pick them up. I am working full-time. I'm a student and a mother, added Shelby McKnight, 25. But I am out here anyway because we need to stand up. Stand up. Both had felt the movement was afoot in Baton Rouge. It was bound to happen, they thought. If it happened in Ferguson and Baltimore, it was bound to happen in this place, too, where the black community had long had tensions with the police force. On Friday, McKnight recalled looking into one police officer's eyes. She yelled at him and begged him to speak out for justice. She had no idea what he would do next and got a little scared. Tears welled in her eyes, and the officer stared back. He too, she said, had started to cry. They know, McKnight said. They have to know that wrong was done. The crowds thinned at midnight, and police officers began filing back into the headquarters. Others joined to help them pick up trash. They filled 22 bags and three boxes. I'll see you tomorrow, Leach said. It could get ugly again. But for this night, the police had retreated. The songs had died down, and the lawn was left clean. Earlier in the evening in St. Paul, Castile's friends, family, and relatives 
from as far as St. Louis assembled in a parking lot at dusk, waiting for the light to fade. Steps away, along Larpenter Avenue in Falcon Heights, Castile was pulled over and fatally shot during a traffic stop on Wednesday, and his girlfriend streamed his dying moments and the officer's reactions in a widely viewed Facebook Live video. In the days since, a makeshift memorial formed beside the pavement, where the hot sun wilted flowers and melted candle wax into puddles on the concrete sidewalk. When the sunlight faded, family members lighted the remaining candles anew and tied up shiny balloons to memorialize Castile at the place where he died. His sister, Eliza Castile, thanked the group of about fifty who came to pay their respects. They held a moment of silence and prayed to find justice in his death. About four miles south, hundreds of Black Lives Matter protesters led a march from the governor's mansion onto a busy interstate, snarling traffic in both directions. The response from law enforcement was swift. What started as a peaceful demonstration during the course of the next six hours escalated into a tense and at times violent standoff with police.